next time you're in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and you drop by the Bronze Fonz and Brewers Stadium and all the other fun things to do in Milwaukee, um, if you happen to come across a giant blue TARDIS, and hats off to you if you know what this is. If you do not, this is Doctor Who's um, means of conveyance in the inimitable Doctor Who show that was on for like, what, 90 years or something in England? Anyway, and it's been reincarnated lately again, over and over again, like the Doctor himself slash herself. So there is a big blue TARDIS somewhere there in Milwaukee, and um, you can go to this thing, and it's this giant geocache that has all these doodads on it, and it has all these gadgets to it, and you can get inside of it and look around and turn lights on and everything else. Anyway, when you get out of it and you happen to be in Milwaukee, I live in Appleton, which is like an hour from there. So, point your car north and come and find me. If you send me a picture of this geocache and you do not come and find me, I will send you absolutely no prizes. I have um, a Hot Wheels carrying case that's 45 years old, slightly smudged, uh, empty, that I will send you if you send me in this geocache. Welcome to Geocaching Scripture. This is Josh here from the Blanket Fort. Uh, just calling out to you on this lovely... Lovely, crisp, clear fall day. Uh, geocaching is this rarefied sport hobby in which uh, we find these little treasures or little TARDISes. And they add a little more dimension into a place we've been before, a walk we've taken before. Never much in a geocache. It's all about just the finding. It's all about the treasure hunting. And to me, it's a perfect metaphor for the way I interact with scripture now that I've been in seminary and I've been in ministry for about a decade, and I find these little geocaches, I call them, of, of language, cultural situation, historical background that help make these stories that I know very well pop out again at me so I can see another layer in God's Word, another layer of His dimension, and that is geocaching, and it is even more interesting than Dr. Then they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling and those who were buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. He was teaching them and saying, Is it not written, My house shall be a, called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. And when the chief priests and scribes heard it, they kept looking for a way to kill him, for they were afraid of him, because the whole crowd was spellbound by his teaching. And when evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. Mark chapter 11, verses 15 through 19. This is the sort of iconic episode in Jesus' ministry called the cleansing of the temple. And I will have to share, uh, when I was in seminary and I was to preach on the cleansing of the temple at the church where I interned, I was part of this really cool sort of dynamic, very interesting kind of underground church in Vancouver, and uh, the pastor there was very gracious to put up with me and teach me a few things. And when you're interning, basically they say things like, okay, Josh, you're going to speak for um, seven minutes, four months from now, on a Wednesday afternoon, and you just go bonkers. Like, you just spend every day in the library figuring out how you're going to just make this seven minutes just pop. 
And what I did, I was preaching on, on Jesus cleansing the temple. So I went out and I got um, money, which I didn't have very much of. So I got uh, as many Canadian coins as I could, and I put them on a chair. And I put some other, other things, like some news headlines and a few other things on chairs. And then when I came in to teach, I kicked him all over. Yeah! I was like, yeah, cleansing the temple. And then, um, well, my church had a lot of homeless people in it. So money fell all over the floor, and people went down and picked it up. And then one of the other chairs, somebody picked up immediately and put his feet on to rest them on it. And then the other one bounced off the overhead. And that is the story of, of my cleansing the temple experience. Um, but let's geocache this particular episode. Now, there's a lot more to this than I ever knew, even when I was doing that amazing demonstration back like 15 years ago. But there is a lot to this story, a lot of depth here. I could probably do half a dozen episodes on it. Um, first thing, Jesus is in the precincts of the temple, which is outside the main temple. So he is in the basically the grounds. And this is an area as big as like 30 football fields. It's huge, huge area. So this is not sort of the picture of Jesus like knocking over, you know, a few a few tables in like a, a 50 foot square area and everybody freaking out running out the door. Most likely there were people all over the temple precincts that had no idea this was going on at all. Um, this was a symbolic act in a very in what could was probably a small space probably didn't take more than a half an hour there were money changers there that's one thing that's mentioned and the money changers were it was a business in which you came for Passover and you brought a lamb or, or whatever sacrifice you were supposed to bring that sacrifice was supposed to be perfect as per the Old Testament so if you brought a lamb from all the way from home from Galilee or wherever and it got nipped by a wolf or you know, broke its ankle or something, it was no longer perfect. It was a blemished animal, and it would be a waste. So you bought it when you got there. But, of course, the coins that you had had whose image on them, as we all know? Caesar's image on them. And that was considered a pagan graven image, so you could not pay for God's sacred animals with these pagan coins, so you had to change the money at the money-changing table. Then you had to buy these perfect animals for the sacrifice. Now, Part of what's going not happening here is that Jesus is upset with them for doing that per se. He's not. That was part of kind of the way it needed to be done. And it was kind of the way that it, it helped people to be able to go through Passover. What was going on, though, was that the temple was to be the navel, they called it the navel of the world. The navel, the umbilical cord of the world between, between the earth and heaven. It was to bless the entire world. And what they're doing with this industry that's going on is they're crowding out the courts of the Gentiles. So they're pushing the Gentiles away, making this a center of nationalistic pride, a center of we're going to bring about this political kingdom, which is something that they were, a lot of them were doing in a lot of different ways that were counterproductive and counter to the ethos of Scripture. Jesus says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. So, prayer for all the nations. Everybody is to be blessed by this. And here you are crowding out the Gentiles with this work of, of taking money, exchanging money, exchanging animals. And Jesus says, you've made it a den of robbers. 
That word for robbers is the word for brigands, rebels, revolutionaries. It is the word for the revolutionaries that fought against Rome and other places. When Jesus was hung on the cross between two thieves, that word thief is actually the word revolutionary. It's a rabble-rouser, somebody who is raising up a revolt against Rome in a violent way. And Jesus uses this word to say, this is what's going on here. You are making this, which is the center, the hot spot of God's presence on the earth, into a place for nationalistic, self-centered pride. It was an extremely powerful symbol. It was an extremely powerful geocache word to use to blow up what was going on there. What it is not, and, and we often have this, um, and if my friend, uh, who you'll meet soon, uh, Dan Hintz, brilliant guy, um, pointed out, this is not like Jesus running into a Zondervan and saying, you know, you, you are profiting off someone's spirituality. You are, you know, making money off of these precious moments statues and these crappy Thomas Kincaid paintings. And that's not what this is about. Jesus' cleansing of the temple is not about that particular issue. He is more upset with the nationalism that has become an idol, that has undone and replaced the vocation of Israel as a blessing to the world. And then they are misusing the temple for those prideful ends. Not that they're selling things within the confines of the temple, um, that is something, of course, we need to be on guard for, absolutely. Um, you know, Christian music, despite being particularly bad, um, can also be very exploitative. Um, and people think, you know, this is this is what I have to do to be a Christian, is listen to this, you know, whatever. Um, but that is not the case. And Jesus was doing this as, in a way, a symbolic action pointing toward the fact that the temple was going to be destroyed again, which it was not long after Jesus' ministry, and that the temple system would soon not be the way this is done. It would soon enough become redundant, that this temple system of sacrifice was never to be an end in itself, was to point toward God's further plan, which was completed in Jesus and will be completed upon his return. And I think the question with this is not so much, hey, we shouldn't sell Girl Scout cookies at church and have fundraisers. The question with this is, you know, are we misusing the place of God's presence for our own ends? Are we using the church as a place to run away from the world? I know in my own life, I mean, there were times when I, I just didn't even know how to communicate outside of the church. I didn't know how to interact with people who weren't professing Christians or even weren't just Christians like I was. And I was really most comfortable, you know, if I was at camp or a Petra concert or, or church or whatever, or Christian school. And I think that missed the point entirely. And I think if we build places that are meant to be this sort of refuge from the world and supposed to be us and them, us versus them, not welcoming, not hospitable. That is when Jesus would come in and kick over a couple of tables.
and he kicks over tables in our own lives as well. Our own things that need to go, that need to be broken, that need to be symbolically taken away. He's going to kick them over so that his real light can shine through, that he can fully, fully heal us and that we'll stop hiding behind these tables of money changers and these money-making, profit-making, sneaky things to hide away from him. If you hide from God, he will find you, even in the church. Pax Humana. Cheers. Cheers.